Eufy is sponsoring today's video. They reached out to me. I tested out their video lock. It is a game changer. I'm going to paint a picture for you for why I'm so excited to work with them. So you're getting home. Your arms are loaded with groceries or packages or boxes or everything. And your keys are in your pocket. This drives me nuts. This happens all the time. I upgraded to the Eufy video lock. Fingerprint tap i'm inside and honestly i also feel way safer it's got this awesome built-in camera so whether it's a package delivery or late night uber order i see exactly who's there right from my phone there are no more mystery knocks and the best part this thing was such a breeze to set up there's no wires there's no drilling uh, there's also no monthly subscription fees so if you are done fumbling with your keys because i definitely am search for eufy video lock or head over to eufyofficial.com slash video lock your front door, your sanity. I just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. The Success Story podcast is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network has incredible podcasts like the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. The podcast is hosted by Jeff Brunsbach and Jay Nathan. Now, Gain, Grow, and Retain is built to inspire SaaS and technology leaders who are facing the day-to-day -day challenges of scaling. Hosts Jeff and Jay share conversations about growing and scaling subscription businesses with a customer-first approach. If any of these topics sound interesting to you, you're gonna like the podcast. Creating more brand advocates, SaaS as a predominant model for business, customer success at scale, or the challenges of integrating new tools with CSM. Some of these topics pique your interest. You're going to love the podcast. You're going to love Gain, Grow, Retain. Go check it out wherever you get your podcast. Remember, Gain, Grow, Retain on the HubSpot Podcast Network. Today, my guest is Kara Golden. Kara is the founder and CEO of Hint. She is a purpose-driven, inspiring entrepreneur. She was previously at AOL. She was in the tech space before she pivoted into starting Hint, building out a consumer packaged goods empire. She created Hint as an alternative to sugary beverages, sodas. She also started to build other products that tailor to a lifestyle of people that wanted to use products that were better for their bodies. She has an incredible list of accolades outside of just building Hint, an incredible company. She has been named amongst Fortune's most powerful women entrepreneurs and Forbes 40 women to watch over 40. Huffington Post listed her as one of the six disruptors in business alongside Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg. Her latest book, Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters, is a Wall Street Journal bestseller and is a rare opportunity to gain insight and proven advice unlike anything you've ever seen in a conventional 
business book or in conventional business press. She combines stories from her life with observations that may change how you think about your own. We speak about her book in the podcast. Some further accolades include EY Entrepreneur of the Year in 2017, San Francisco Business Times Most Influential Woman, Fast Company's Most Creative Person in Business, EY's Winning Woman 2012, Fortune's Most Innovative Woman in Food and Drink in 2015, the Gold Stevie Award for Female Entrepreneur of the Year, Amex Open Forum's Woman to Watch, and the Marketers That Matter Award for Brand Building put out by small companies. So a ton of absolutely incredible accolades, an incredible career. And then on top of that, she has built Hint to a business worth over a billion dollars. And now you can see Hint literally in wherever grocery store uh, you go. So what do we speak about? So we spoke about uh, her story, how she pivoted from a vice president of shopping and e-commerce partnerships at AOL, pivoted uh, from tech into CPG and the story that lit a fire in her and got her to basically take Hint off the ground with no experience in retail or CPG. We spoke about a lot of lessons that she speaks about in her book, Undaunted, why she named it Undaunted, and how Undaunted is going to teach entrepreneurs to think outside the box, to think differently, to pursue things that perhaps uh, they may have not ever felt comfortable pursuing, and the attitude and the perseverance and the tactical and the strategy that takes to actually be successful. And basically, uh, I don't want to ruin it, but we just went into all the lessons that she experienced while building Hint, and then how those can be applied to other entrepreneurs that are trying to start their own thing and grow uh, an empire. So let's jump right into it. This is Kara Golden. She is a podcaster, author, uh, and founder, CEO of Hint Water. So I grew up in Scottsdale, Arizona. I was the last of five kids. And uh, I like to say I was an original settler in Arizona because it, w it was, there weren't very many of us. We, we did have cars there. We weren't just, you know, riding horses around, but it was, uh, it was significantly smaller than, um, than it is today. And uh, I think being the last of five though, it, it's funny. I, I was, uh, I, two sis I have two sisters and two brothers, um, but we almost had two different families. I have a brother and sister that are 15 and 16 years older than me. So while I was just this annoying little squirt, like barely out of diapers, they were, you know, in high school and really annoying to have like a little, little, little sister or brother most of the time, not all of the time, but, uh, but I think for me, I just, I really felt like they get to do a lot more things than I was able to do. And so I watched them get their first job and get their paycheck and buy, buy a car, like all of these things along the way. And I was like, you know, four and saying, when do I get to go? Right. And that was me. I was always like, put me ambitious in from the get go. Yeah. Right from right from four years old. You want to go after. Okay. Put, all right. Put all right. Me in. But I think yeah. that the, the other thing that I was able, you know, to see too, was that just being curious and asking a lot of questions. And, um, and, you know, I, lots of people would be in and out of our house and, you know, they would, a lot of them didn't have younger sisters. So I was amusing to them. Um, but being able to ask like, oh, you know, 
what are you going to do when you graduate from high school or college or whatever? And, and I, why did you pick that? Like, I would just always be asking these things and all along the way, I would also be learning. And uh, so anyway, fast forward, I uh, went off to school. I went to school in Arizona. It was, uh, you know, the price was right. It was in-state tuition. And uh, I had been an athlete my whole life, either always running, playing, uh, playing sports, doing gymnastics. Uh, and by the time I went off to college, I think for me, I, I really took, I wanted to take a passion of mine, which was writing and, and my curiosity and become a journalism major. So, uh, so that was my major in school. And I'll never forget when a few of my friends, my new friends in college were taking business courses and they were frankly becoming much more educated than I was around finance. And so they would come and talk to me and in my sorority, I would hear them talking about, you know, EBITDA and business planning and all of these things that I had always felt really smart uh, until I started hearing them talk about these things. And I thought, oh, maybe I should take a class in finance. And I remember people saying, what are you doing as a journalism major taking finance classes. And I, I thought, well, I want to be able to learn something. I don't want to major in it, but I want to be able to learn something. And it's something that I share with people who, especially college students today is don't be afraid to find those things that kind of scare you, right? Especially when you're in school, or maybe you think they're stupid and you don't even know why they exist, like a marketing course, maybe you're an engineer. And, you know, to be able to understand kind of the basic elements of lots of different things is a very valuable thing. It doesn't mean you have to do it on a, you know, daily basis, but to be able to understand, um, you know, what is EBITDA? What is business planning? How do you do basic code? All of these things, I just always believed that it'd be nice to be able to go try it. Even if I don't like it, it's not what my major is. So how bad could it be? And so I graduated with a minor in finance, which, you know, still sort of like made me laugh because I, they were the hardest things, the hardest classes that I took in school. And so when I graduated, I thought I'm going to blend what I've done in journalism with my minor in finance, and I'm going to go to New York, and I'm going to get a job at Fortune magazine. I felt like Wall Street Journal was the other thing that I was reading constantly, but it was just a little too much type going on. There were no pretty pictures anywhere and no, no real stories that, uh, I guess, all financially related stories. Uh, but I thought, I'm going to send a letter to the managing editor of, of fortune and you know see what happens and try and get a job try that, and get that's a job. the first that's the Isn't first that that's the first job do? you want to get at a, at a college yeah. right yeah okay, cool. and Very cool. uh wasn't coming on fortune magazine wasn't coming on campus i uh i just sent a letter and i i think it surprised a lot of people that i that, i mean people would ask me and still ask me to this day how did you know how to send a letter to the managing editor and i'm thinking are you really asking me that? I mean, you just open up the magazine and there's an address and email and out. there's people and you just figure it out. I mean, this is kind of like before Google, before it was really easy to um, do this. So anyway, uh, Marshall Loeb wrote me a note back and said, hey, if you're ever in the New York area, 
And so that was my invite to be in the New York area. Um, little did I, um, I never really thought that that was like a brush off. No, instead I thought, well, yeah, if I go to New York, I'm going to, I'm going to go meet with Marshall Loeb and I mean, he'll meet me and for sure he'll give me a job. And of course, you know, my brothers were, my sisters were cracking up. My friends were like, really? Like, you really think that's what it says? And I'm like, I'm not going to ask. I mean, of course that's what it says. That's not, that's not that bad. That's not that bad a response. Like if you just take it at face value, I think that's pretty net positive. Right? Exactly. I thought, what's the worst that can happen? He doesn't see me, but why focus on, you know, the, the negative more than anything. So, uh, so that's when I, you know, figured out how to get to New York and ultimately marched into the uh, HR office. Isn't that where you go when, when you're looking for a job is, you know, I'm, I'm this college kid and um, net of it is, is that fortune wouldn't see me. Um, They didn't have a job. Uh, I wasn't on the books to actually meet with Marsha Loeb. But what I asked the head of HR while I was there, I thought I might as well make good use of the time. Is there any other jobs? And that's when I ended up interviewing with Time Magazine and and scored a job at Time Magazine. It was never my plan. I never walked in uh, to the building um, at the time. And it was nothing you know, crazy. It was an executive assistant role, but I thought I'm going to, I'm going to have a job in New York city. It's a lot better than a lot of my friends have. And I get, you know, benefits and all of that. And more than anything, I get to work in New York city. I mean, that I I just was so excited that I was able uh, to, to do that. So uh, anyway, worked there for a few years and was in uh, circulation. I thought at, at one point I'll I'll move over to the editorial side. That never happened. I was recruited out by what I now term as a late stage startup called CNN. Um, it was uh, this guy, Ted Turner. Why, why do you call it? Why do you call it a late stage startup? I'm because curious. it was, we were, it, I mean, at the time, this is the early 90s. We were in okay. probably 40% of the, the country um, had cable systems right and and in their homes and so i mean it seems so foreign today to think about that but the only reason why i had cable was i lived in new york in this apartment building and i wouldn't have been able to have any reception if i didn't have cable and so most of my friends like thought that that was you know pretty like ritzy to have it and i'm like i i gotta i don't know anybody in new york all i do is work all the time and i've got to have some sort of communication with the world Um, So I had cable and when they called and they said, do you know what CNN is? Uh, You probably have never heard of it. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I I like watch the news. It's great because I'm never home at six o'clock at night. So I can't uh, I can't watch it. And they said, oh, that's great. And so I ended up interviewing. And, you know, I I talk about that role a lot because it was the first very different culture, first of all, from time, very buttoned up, very. you know, primarily Ivy League uh, at time versus CNN. Here's this guy running around the halls in cowboy boots and a suit. And, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, I call it a late stage startup because nobody termed the company. It was just this, it was this underdog company that was going up against ABC and NBC. And people would say to me like, oh, maybe you'll get experience from CNN and then you'll go, you know, to the big networks. And I was like, 
maybe i i don't know like it it seems kind of cool i mean and and the thing that i think back on those days that really was so impactful for me as even an entrepreneur today is that seeing a visionary entrepreneur like ted turner he wasn't there all the time but when he was there you kind of listen because he was he was funny he could storytell um he had this idea that the world needed 24-hour news and there were days when we said i don't know like maybe they don't a lot of people say they don't need 24-hour news and i was there at the company when a when a government um learned that uh, iraq learned that their country was being bombed and it was that day when uh the head of iraq called the white house and said i just learned that my country is being bombed i was watching cnn and so that just that moment and that's what it takes to make the visionary entrepreneur the crazy one the one that nobody believed that's what makes people believe it's those moments and so to be able to have witnessed when that kind of thing happened again i didn't get it then i just thought oh we're doing better now people actually want to buy advertising on on cnn but until that moment happened uh it it was uh it was you know this late stage startup so uh the company grew continued to grow i was there for another year and a half got engaged moved out to san francisco uh with my with my fiance he wanted to do this thing called technology law uh no one was doing it in san Fr in new york everybody said go west you can come back to new york in a bit and so the the only name that kind of came to mind and and kind of company that came to mind i again, grew up in Arizona, didn't really know people in Northern California, uh, was Apple computers. So I had saved all my waitressing and babysitting money from growing up to buy uh, a, a Macintosh to do all my papers and journalism. And so I had been kind of quietly obsessed with Steve Jobs and had, you know, the, the, the difference between a regular you know, computer that was out there by IBM and Xerox and some of the others versus a, an Apple computer was huge. I mean, the, it was just a beautiful little thing, not as little as they are today with a nice, cute little Apple on it. And it was awesome. You know, it was the iMac. It was just, it was great. And not very many of my friends had one, but I, I was lucky enough to have one. So I thought, how do I get a job with Apple when I come to the Bay Area. So I'm living in San Francisco and then I figured out that Cupertino, where they were based, was pretty far away. So I thought, ah, I don't know, it's kind of far. But in my research about the company, I found that there were these five guys that had worked at Apple and they spun a project that was a little known Steve Jobs idea out into this separate small company and it was called Two Market. And I thought, I'm gonna just reach out to them because what do I have to lose? I mean, maybe they'll know how I can get a job at Apple and meet Steve. And and uh, and so I, I cold called uh, a guy that was quoted in an article and I said, hey, do you, uh, you know, can I take you to lunch? I just moved here from the Bay Area. I'm really interested in what you're doing. 
and it was a CD-ROM disc that was like one of three in the market at that point. Uh, and it was, the focus was basically getting people to shop on this disc. And so Steve had this idea that it, inside of Apple, that if, if you could get all of the graphics put on a disc and just tell consumers to insert it in their computer, then, uh, then you know bandwidth and all of those things broadband was not out i mean all of we were in dial-up you could barely stay in you know a chat room right and it was just it was i thought it was just really interesting and really genius and again i wasn't an engineer i felt like it was just something that every day i could go in and uh and be intrigued if i could ever get a job there so i also really we talked about culture before and I think that that's where I saw my, the third culture, very different, where everybody had always worn a suit in my jobs in New York. Uh, and when I moved out and, and ultimately after my coffee with this gentleman at Two Market, uh, there, they were, it was such a different atmosphere that I saw and such it was a startup, startup. It, it was, was like startup. very startup. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like jeans and t-shirts. There were you know, two people with PhDs, um, you know, engineers, product managers, all of a sudden I walk in the door, the only woman, first of all, but also they were, they were excited to talk to me and kind of hear more about my experience in New York. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Factor. Now, it's a new year. I'm busy. I always, always, always am running out of time. So when it comes to meals, I don't want to wait in line at a grocery store. I don't want to even have to drive if I don't have to. And I definitely don't want to spend a ton of time cooking in the kitchen. But now I don't have to meal plan or prep thanks to Factor. Factor makes it easy for me to eat clean 24-7. They deliver fresh, never frozen prepared meals that are so delicious you won't believe they're actually good for you. Factor saves time by delivering chef-crafted meals directly to my door, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping, meal prep, but most importantly, eliminating the hassle of cleaning. And they have 27 meal options every single week, so I can guarantee you're not going to be bored. They also offer tons of great nutritional additions. They have vegan and veggie meals. They have cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein, veggie sides, and what really whatever you want to keep you fueled and focused all through the day. If you want to try out Factor, they've set up a special code just for Success Story podcast listeners. So head over to go.factor75.com slash plans. That is go.factor75.com slash plans. Use the code SUCCESS120. That's going to give you $120 off your first five weeks of meals. Remember, that is code SUCCESS120 at go.factor75.com slash plans for $120 off. But also excited to hear about my experience working for a company that they perceived as Apple-like, which was CNN. And about, they wanted to know what Ted Turner was like. And they had all of the, and I'm sitting here, wait, you work for the God, right? Steve over there. And here they were like, ooh, Steve, oh, he's fine. He's like super, <laughs> you know? And, and so all of a sudden we had this like 
marriage where we both wanted to know about each other's experiences. And I had been doing sales at CNN was the last role uh, that I had. And, you know, I asked him like, how do you guys make money? And on this, I mean, you're going out to J crew and LL Bean and all these catalogers, but what are, what are the economics of it? And it, at CNN, that's what Ted cared about, right? He cared about making money. And, and just when I saw these like five guys in a room in Silicon Valley, I'm like, how are you guys going to stay in business? Like, I mean, this is, this is crazy, you know? And, and again, I knew nothing about equity or any of the stuff that I, you know, later learned. Um, but, uh, but more than anything, I think I learned that contributing. And as long as you can contribute um, to the project that I was interesting, right? That I was, um, that if I was willing to go out to these retailers, if I was willing to set up a business model, one of the um, guys said, we'd love to make money. We just don't really know how yet. We're just building the product. I mean, show us how to- It was hyper-passionate, hyper-passionate yeah. so about this. So how can we monetize this project? I was like, yeah, because you're not going to be able to pay mm -hmm. like for very many salaries if you're just giving this away all day long. Um, so anyway, so th that ended up uh, one year into working at Two Market. One of our investors was this little company called America Online. And everybody, I remember calling my mom and saying, okay, I'm, like, we're going for the startup. She's like, well, why not Time and CNN? I mean, like, why why did you guys move to San Francisco? And I'm like, yeah, we just got acquired by this company, America Online. And she, I, I'll never forget, she just kept saying, American? Is it American Online? And I, I'm like, no. And I said, it's like, they teach you how to get on the internet. It'll be great. Like there's gonna be chat rooms. It's like, it's perfect. And they wanted me to run this thing called shopping, this button. And they had done a little bit with, with uh, e-commerce and shopping, but basically they were watching what we were doing and, and thought like, maybe we just acquire these guys who we've invested in and, and you know, kind of take the team and, and see if we can build out a much bigger marketplace. So what, I laugh about still to this day is that I didn't even have a revenue target. Like I had, they were like, just, you know, just do your best. Like everything's going to be fine. And, and, and at some point people started waking up a couple of years later. I mean, it was, it was really the first time that I had seen a rocket ship go, um, at, you know, the, the pace that it had CNN, it seemed, it was, it was a slow rocket ship. It was like there was the plane was flying and then it turned into a rocket ship and then it sort of, you know, leveled off a bit. But but for me, AOL was just like every day we were, you know, adding people every week, thousands of people. I mean, it was just it was an insane, you know, thing to sort of witness. And at the end of seven years, uh, I was running their e-commerce and shopping partnerships. At the end of seven years, it was almost a billion dollars um, in revenue that we were bringing into the company. And it was at that point when I thought, you know, this company is based in Virginia. I knew it was based in Virginia, but I live in San Francisco. I had uh, I, I had two kids at this point. I was pregnant with my third. And I, I said, you know what? I'm going to take some time. And it wasn't, I didn't hate anyone. I wasn't you know, having a bad time in tech, nothing like that. I just really wanted to live in San Francisco. I didn't want to be on an airplane all the time. And I, 
had these young kids that I really wanted to see and experience. And so it was during that time uh, that I was really focused on everything around my young kids, like what kind of diapers do I use? You know, what kind of formula? I had never thought about any of this. I mean, even when I was babysitting, when I was growing up, I, I laughed because it was like somebody else buys the diapers. Somebody, you know, you just use whatever. You don't really think about nutrition and, and all, all of that. And it was, it was really during this time that I started to think about what you put in your system is representative of how healthy and and active and all that kind of stuff you can be and and i really really believed it and i believed it for my family but i didn't practice it for myself and so for for me i started at that moment really looking at you know on a scale of you know zero to ten i'm sitting here telling my kids don't have sugar don't do this don't do this and then i'm like wait it, do i practice that and i started you know, I didn't have a job. So this was like my new job. I'm like, I'm going to keep track of this whole thing. And I was always exercising and, you know, and keeping up with, with that. But I more recently developed this terrible adult acne, which I never even had as a kid, a teenager. Uh, and I was also just, I had a really bad stomach and I thought maybe I should really take a look at everything that I'm eating and start reading ingredients. And um, I also had gained a bunch of weight through all my pregnancies. I was excellent at gaining weight. I was terrible at losing the weight. And so it was at that moment uh, when I thought, okay, I'm going to keep track of all of these things. Maybe I'm going to go on one of these diets. Everybody's talking about these different diets. I'll see what happens there. And while I was in this process, that's when I looked down at my favorite friend, my Diet Coke. Um, that I had been drinking since I was 15. Never thought there was anything wrong with my Diet Coke. I drank anywhere from eight to 12 cans a day. I mean, I always had to have my stash. Uh, people now tell me that when they were in meetings with me, if I uh, didn't have a Diet Coke, like I was different, right? I, I would definitely not be able to, you know, think and focus if I didn't have it, which is ironic. Of course, they never said that to me at the time, but I really was attached to my Diet Coke. And so when I looked at my all the ingredients that I had been putting in my body, I thought, if this were food, I wouldn't actually have it. So why am I giving it a pass for being, for being a drink? And so I thought, I'm going to take two weeks, and I'm going to put it to the side, and I'm going to drink water. And I remember saying to my husband, I'm going to drink water, and I'm not going to drink diet soda anymore and he was like how like how, how are you gonna do that I mean you're just cold turkey you're just gonna do it and I'm like yep it's like gonna happen and and it was really hard I was super miserable for you know the first few days were the hardest and then I got used to it I'm like just make sure I'm not having it and I'm not cheating along the way and what I realized was that water for me the reason I didn't drink it was it was super boring and I had Growing up in Arizona, I should have been drinking a lot more water, but I didn't do it. And I swapped it out for with this diet soda. And so I started slicing up fruit, threw it in the water to get me to enjoy water. And that's when 
two and a half weeks later, I lost 24 pounds in two and a half weeks. My skin cleared up. My stomach was better. My energy was better. And I thought, oh my gosh, like, why isn't anyone talking about this? Like, why are so many people drinking these diet sodas? This was 17 years ago. And, you know, and I would, people would see me, they hadn't seen me in a few weeks and see, I look like a different person when you lose that much weight in two weeks. I mean, you look like borderline sick, right? Your, your body's trying to catch up with what has happened. This, and this detox almost, right? Right. Yeah. Like yeah. it's significant, but I felt so much better. And so I would share with people that it really wasn't the food that I was eating. It was this drink that was spiking my my insulin levels. I had always thought that insulin, by the way, was only the thing that people talked about if you had diabetes. And, you know, that that was like, you know, people are concerned about it, but it ends up when you put something sweet in your body, that it doesn't just mean sugar. It means anything that's sweet that actually triggers your brain to produce this thing called insulin. And there's some people that are better at processing it than others. And and again, I, I uh, knew a little bit about science, but science wasn't my major. I, I certainly wasn't a nutritionist, but I, I knew enough to sort of make me curious, make me interested in what I was stumbling upon. And I, I started to look at these, you know, multi-billion dollar companies, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, you know, the, all the juice, all the soda that w was out there. And I also looked at all of these diets that were out there and there was just big money and behind all of them and and you know all these all these diet sweeteners that were out there were constantly changing they were getting better how were they getting better so again i didn't have a job so this became my job that i just became so passionate about it and i remember thinking like why am i so passionate about it because there's all this new information to me i'm learning so much uh, but also I felt like I was seeing something so clearly that so many other people that I knew didn't have an opportunity to see, which was if there were, if there was a change in the availability of these diet sweeteners, or if consumers actually knew what I knew and, and had gone through the experience that I had experienced, would the diet soda industry be so big? Would, um, this new disease called type two diabetes actually be in, in, in growing at the rate that it was growing would um you know these diets that were out would people would the consumer be buying into these diets if they actually figured out how their body reacted to sweet as i had and i thought i should take this water because it 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 was pretty easy for me once I started slicing up fruit and throwing it in water to get to, water to, to drink, drink it and water. replace the diet sodas and whatnot. Yeah. And so I thought I'm, I'm going to just, there's this brand new store called whole foods and I'm going to go up to whole foods. And if they don't have that product, then I'm going to talk to the guy who's stocking the shelves and I'm going to say, Hey, how do I get a product in here and <laughs> see what happens? And I'll never forget like doing just that. And on my shopping trip, right, I'm all by myself, but I'm like, got my cart. And he's like, I, I don't know, I, I just work here. And I'm like, but like, there's a lot of brands in here that aren't in sort of, you know, regular grocery stores. And he said, oh, yeah, there's like a local program that we have that 
he was like, here's, here's who you talk to and uh, about getting your product in here. And I was like, oh, and so you just talk to a person and, and then you can get your product in here. And he was like, yeah, you know, that's how it is. And then a couple of weeks later, I came back and he said, you just like really educated me about, you know, I've been drinking vitamin water for you know, the last couple of years and I gained all these, all this weight. And then I just stopped and I realized like what I was doing and I never really thought about it. And I was like, I know me too. Like, it's just, it's all this healthy perception that's out there versus healthy reality. And it's just not right. And he was like, I totally agree. And so weird conversations like that would come up where I felt like I was touching on something that nobody had really thought about yet. If I could actually get the product out there and get people to see what I was seeing by and and how easy it was just by drinking something that solved a problem for them around the taste of water, then I could change a lot of people's health. And and that was my purpose. Then it's my purpose today. So when people say to me, you know, how'd you decide to start a beverage company? For from you know coming from tech, like what were you crazy? Like why why would you do that? And I was like, I I had this massive purpose sitting in front of me that I I saw an opportunity to go and change not only an industry but multiple industries, the health industry, the you know tackling these diet sweeteners. Um, you know, really being a consumer advocate uh, to help people do what they didn't really see. And I think I, I go back, I'll say one, one more thing. When I talked about, you know, Ted Turner, and I didn't work directly for Steve Jobs, but indirectly for people who had worked for him or indirectly for Steve Case, thinking back on these visionary entrepreneurs um, during a time when people thought it, it was crazy. Why do we need another drink? Um, you know, how is this different from vitamin water? And, you know, and all what I didn't realize until a little bit in like a month into launch was that I was not only launching a new company and a new product, but also a new category in an industry that was a multi-billion dollar industry. That is a massive undertaking. And if somebody would have told me before I launched, I, I would have said, uh, that, that's for some other girl to do that. That's like, not what I'm going to do. But when I saw how much I could help, when I listened to the, the, the consumers who were saying how much they enjoyed drinking water again, how much this product was helping them control type two diabetes, which was a tiny percentage of the population, which is now 40% of the population has type two diabetes or prediabetes. It's the, you know, number one scary thing to have when combating COVID. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that is most of the cases of, of people who are in hospitals today um, have some sort of complications um, stemming off of type two, type two diabetes or type one diabetes. But again, I, I saw this as, much bigger than a beverage industry. And every time I hit those challenges, every time people would look at me as the visionary entrepreneur, I would think back at those other entrepreneurs who I had witnessed being called the same thing. And I thought, 
until and until it makes sense to people you're considered crazy right you're considered you know people will have their doubts but when they get it the the beauty is then they come back and they say we always knew you were on to something you know and <laughs> yeah. and it's it's what people do so it's uh i think I never really thought of myself as one day I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Uh, but I think being able to work for entrepreneurs, being able to see, uh, you know, people who were doing the impossible until it was possible was so helpful in allowing me to do what I do today. So long, long journey story, but an important one. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, HubSpot. Now, the new year might have you thinking ahead to what you want out of your career. So when you think about your success story, what do you actually picture? Is it retiring early with a beautiful view of the skyline? Is it leaving a legacy with your name on it? Or maybe it's helping influence and change some of the world's most pressing issues. Whatever it is, writing your success story starts by working smart. Because when you work smart, your success story writes itself. A HubSpot CRM platform helps your marketing campaigns work harder and smarter. With intuitive visual workflows and bot builders, you can create scalable automated campaigns across email, social media, web, and chat so your customers hear your messages loud and clear. Are you tired of your content not adapting to mobile, making it difficult for your customers to absorb your message? A HubSpot CRM platform optimizes your content for multiple devices so that you can reach your customers wherever they are which is just smart. Learn more about how you can transform your customer experience with a HubSpot CRM at HubSpot.com. It's a, it's, a it's a very important story. I think um, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna ask a couple questions out of that, but the one thing that I noticed that really, really is such a, such a great trait that you have is you mentioned a curiosity, but also just taking massive action. Like every single thing that you said you did in your life, it was a new job. It was figuring out how to get hint into Whole Foods. It's just, you just, you're curious and you just do stuff. You just do a whole bunch of shit. Like that's it. And you're, and eventually like not everything's going to work, but if you, if you take enough action, if you do enough activities towards the thing that you want to do, it start, things start to fall into place. Things start to, start to come together. Right. And that's really, that's. I think that, of course, you know, being successful, there's a lot of different things that contribute to that. But I think that that's probably one of the main things that I pulled out that you just do continuously that probably got you a lot of the things that you are, are you have right now, just taking that action again and again and again, as opposed to just ruminating on it, thinking on it in Whole Foods, you know, <laughs> like you instead of like worrying about the process, you just went up to some guy who's docking shells and you're like, hey, how do you do this versus... Yeah trying to like cold email you know maybe trying to figure out like filling out forms or like i don't even know what the process would be if i even had to start but just like that why not why not ask the guy yeah. socking the shells right like why not do that well, it, i it's love funny. that i think even writing a book i think you start to think through a lot of these you know issues, yeah these things too and you know people had asked me for years just in interviews for hint like you know how how were you fearless how were you you know so brave yes. and i think early on, look, my parents were 40 back when they had me, the last kid. And that was old. I mean, that was like, nobody had parents that were as old as my parents. And, uh, and I think they always let, they gave me a lot of rope. 
right? They they basically said you can do stuff, but you you know you have to think about it, you have to explain it, you have to go and and kickstart it in some way. Like I remember even signing up for gymnastics classes. I would figure out like I there was nobody who was going to sit there and say, okay, well here's your choice. You have Monday or Wednesday. I'd be like, I need your checkbook like now because I just I need this I need to get in this class now and I was always used to advocating for myself that I could make it happen but I didn't have the helicopter you know parent yeah, over yeah. me saying to me here it is instead I I just I would always look at life as you know I can probably figure it out it wasn't that my parents weren't there that if I needed help figuring stuff out but I also got a lot of pride in actually going and figuring stuff out when other people waited. And I yeah. think that, you know, it's something that I think about today when when things just seem a little, you know, tough or hard in, in, in some way. Um, I my my uh, next step, I guess, is to go and talk to people, go and figure it out. Like, how do I make it happen? I am constantly I do not allow the minute I start watching that wall and it still happens to this day uh in various you know situations but when i see the wall starting to build and it starts to get higher and it starts to get scarier i stop it i try and figure out how do i you know knock it down how do i demystify it in some way yeah how i want to ask you i want to this is a good uh this is a good spot to just ask about undaunted, about that word that you chose, mm -hmm. because you describe all these other emotions. You describe fear. You just like a little bit of imposter syndrome mixed in there. Confidence, um, tenacity, persevere, like all these things that have allowed you to be and anybody to be successful, yeah. really. But what what is what does undaunted mean to you? Why did you choose that word for your book versus something like fearless? Maybe fearless is already a book. I don't know yet. To choose something else. Yeah. Like, well, why it's, undaunted? It's funny. I mean, even when I turned in my manuscript, I didn't have a word for. I, I didn't have a title for the book. I mean, I had been, you know tossing around fearless relentless i mean think th th words that people had called me over the years and had called me or or who had sort of shared what i do that is different than what they can't do and i would always have these you know one or two liners that i would say to people you know whenever i'd hear people say oh i i could never do that i think back on things like yeah i've thought about that too like you know, getting over a fear of heights, you know, I, I'll go and hike the Grand Canyon and people are like, whoa, you're, you're afraid of heights. Like, why, why would you choose to do that? Because I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to not understand finance. So I go and take classes. I'm constantly looking for those things that I fear. And I think over time, what those things do when, when you take on situations when you take on things that scare you and you go achieve those things they don't necessarily always turn out the way that you thought but what they do do is allow you to know that it wasn't as bad and it wasn't as scary as you thought it was right and so i think over time people people would say to me but but how do you do that and and that's when i really thought about you have to be undaunted, right? You have to sort of like purposely 
push yourself into that position because no one else is going to push you to do it, right? You don't push somebody who is afraid of heights to go and hike the Grand Canyon. It has to start with you. And it mm -hmm. has, and you have to do it because it's something that you, you know, want to get over, right? And I think it's the same thing about people are like, how did you decide to be an entrepreneur? Like, I think for me, I saw it as I'd seen other people do it, which I think was helpful. But I also, it, it just, it didn't seem as scary to me because I had watched these other people. But I thought every single day I'm waking up and thinking about doing this and I'm making progress. You know, I, I go to Whole Foods, I barely start talking to the guy stocking the shelves. And then he hooks me up with this guy that, you know, is talking to me about their local program. And I thought, and then I, it was fairly easy to connect with that person. And then I, I get like the next steps. And then every day I start on those steps. And I find that like two weeks before, I didn't know what I was doing. And then I just got in and I started moving it forward. So again, if you don't choose to live undaunted, you're not going to hike the Grand Canyon. You're not going to um, start a company. Um, I have a lot of entrepreneurs, especially female entrepreneurs who say to me, like, I can't raise money. And I'm like, it starts with you, right? I, I'm yeah. a female entrepreneur. I've raised a ton of money. Has it been easy? Do I meet with twice as many people that a guy meets? With? I don't know. Cause I've never been a guy. I don't, I think but you're I saying, think. but you're saying, you know what, if you do, you just do it. You're doing you do it, it anyway. It may not be, it may not be the, it may not be perfect. It may not be the best, but you're doing it. You're getting it done. Your next step, you know, right. one foot and in front of the other. If you don't believe that you can actually achieve anything, then it, then it, it doesn't get done. Right. If it starts with you and people can read it, they can, if you don't believe, if you walk in to go raise money and you believe like, oh, you know, X a very low percentage of women, you know, are able to raise money and whatever it is, if you have that in your head, it's never going to happen. I can guarantee you it will not happen. Um, my daughter is in, is in college now. She'll kill me for talking about this, but she's, uh, she's majoring in storytelling. She's at Brown. She's an incredible writer and uh, she's tried out for a few things and hasn't gotten them. And, you know, she's she's chosen to live undaunted, picked a profession of storytelling and theater and and wants to do this. It's a choice. And it's it's hard because rejection is really hard. But I think that what I'm sharing with her, too, is you have a choice. You can actually it's a numbers game. You got to just keep going or you can just decide I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to try out for any more plays. I'm not going to submit my manuscripts to festivals anymore to try and, uh, you know, get money. And I, I, she was really bummed out at me, by the way, when I, she was talking to me about this last night, I said, you know what, you'll get exactly what you want. You'll get the play where you'll act in, you'll, you'll get your script picked up, but then you know what will happen? And she said, what? And I said, you'll be happy for a week. And then somebody will, somebody will review it and they'll say it was terrible. Right. <laughs> and I said, and, and this is the world, right? And, and if you let these things take you instead of appreciating the journey that, that you're on, and continuing to 
figure out how do I keep going? How do I keep moving forward? Then you won't live the life that you'll be totally happy with. Instead, go figure it out. Go figure out what you want to do. Try it. And if nothing else, I always said to people when people, people would say to me when I was launching a beverage company, you don't stay out of tech for very long because you'll never get back in. You'll never, you'll be, you know, people think you're, you know, not focused. You, you don't have experience, whatever. I'm like, 10 minutes ago, you were telling me I'm awesome and you were recruiting me for a job. Like all of a sudden you've decided, you know, based on me telling you that I'm going to go and start a company, all the skills, all the things that I learned along the way, if it doesn't work out. And they're like, well, I don't know. I mean, don't stay out for more than six months. I'm like, why six months? I don't know. Like, I'm like, have you, are there statistics about six months? Maybe it's a year. I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about at the, at the end of the day. And I, anyway, I just think like the, the challenges of, of, uh, you know, building a startup, some of these stories, um, that I'm sharing now, I are things that I really wanted to write out in, in my book too, because I think no matter mm -hmm. what you think about, um, entrepreneurism, it's way harder, um, than you ever, uh, are setting out to um to think about um yeah. and you know there's there's plenty of unicorns out there um but there's way more way more failures and uh the journey even if you're a failure it it could mean that you had a product that didn't do well during the pandemic you could have supply chain issues that you know you relied too much on um asia which whose factories yeah. were shut down for whatever it is could sink your company. Um, but I think that that's another thing that I talk about too. It's just, it's not, it's not black and white. It's not that you've got the unicorns or you've got the failures. It's the people that get back up again are really the ones that you have to watch. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Shopify. And don't you love that sound? That's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. See, Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big businesses. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and offline sales activity, and effortlessly stay informed. You can not only sell your product, but you can reach customers online and across social media networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. You can gain insights as you grow and detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. Whatever you need to track, Shopify can track it for you. And remember, Shopify was built to liberate commerce for entrepreneurs and big businesses alike. Shopify is tirelessly reinventing tools of growth and scale for over 1.7 million businesses. So if 1.7 million businesses trust Shopify to help them organize their online and synchronize with their offline sales, you should be able to use it for your business as well. Connect with your customers, drive sales, manage your day-to-day, -day, accept all major payment methods, and integrate with any third-party app you could possibly think of. If you want to try out Shopify right now, go to shopify.com slash success story. That's all lowercase for a free 14-day trial 
and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash success story right now. Remember, success story is all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash success story. Can I ask you one more, one more startup? Yeah. One more startup question, and yeah. then I'll and then I'll do a couple. Uh, we can close it with some like rapid fire. This is really good, and honestly, I feel like you have so many stories that we could probably go for like a while. <laughs> I, I I realize we'll have to do like a part two sometime in the future when you do. Uh, do no, we'll do one for your podcast. We'll do one for I your next it. book, whatever. Um, I want to know when you have a passion like what you have. So as opposed to a founder that's coming from, they just did an exit, and they are. Uh, a very technical founder and they'll analyze a market, you know, need to find a total addressable market, they'll find product market fit, they'll take the market. That's not the founder that I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help the founder that has a passion like you had with water, with flavored water. What in the world do you do to figure out how to take that to market when you have no experience in that category or that industry? That to me blows my mind how you were able to do that. Cause you didn't come from five other beverage companies. Yeah. You came from tech and you just had a passion and you did it. So what's what would be the, I don't know, pick pick one, two, three most important things. I don't know what it would take. So yeah, what, I, what did you do? I think be ready to be humbled um, by all you don't know. <laughs> and with that, be able to ask questions. I think my ability to ask questions is, I, I, I think... People struggle with wanting, especially as you get older and you, the more experience you have, wanting to look smart, right? Mm -hmm. And versus yeah. actually being inquisitive. And I think that for me, I just always felt like it, get, being inquisitive was where you were going to learn the most. So here I had in the tech industry, I was getting recruited by Google and Yahoo and all the rest of them who were out at the time, you know, looking for somebody to go do e-commerce. But I felt like I was teaching a lot and mentoring a lot and not learning. So this obsession, this passion that I had around drinks, I, I, you know, saw this like huge, huge mountain in front of me that I had to learn about, but I was also so energized how I had stumbled upon, you know, this world that I knew nothing about when I knew so much about the tech industry. And knew so my whole network was in the tech industry. The other thing was was that I was obsessed with the fact that you know I knew what Coke was and Procter and Gamble and some of the others, but I didn't really know people in that industry at all. So for me, the first step was how do I actually know what the lay of the land is? I go to this new store called Whole Foods. I'm already like there shopping, and you know why not? I'll just start talking to people and and the the combination of being okay with not being, you know, the most knowledgeable in the room, coupled with the ability to go and ask a lot of questions. When you are willing to uh, be vulnerable, show that, you know, you're not trying to, people would ask me, like the guy stocking the shelves, he'd say, so you're interested in launching a beverage company. Did you used to work at Coke? No. What'd you do? Oh, I was in tech. He's like, okay, she's in tech. He didn't even ask me, like, what was your title? What'd you do in tech? He just knew I was some, like, lady who came to Whole Foods and went shopping. And so I, he discounted me before I even started, which was great because I thought the bar is so low. 
nobody thinks that I'm going to be able to do this. So nobody's even watching. All my friends in tech, they didn't know anything about the beverage industry. They sort of, you know, quietly ridiculed me and said, I don't know, like she's either staying home with her kids or she's like, I don't know, she's doing some beverage thing. I don't know. It tastes pretty good, but I, I who knows? I have no idea. She's funny and, you know, whatever. And, and, but that was, so I think that that, that's probably the most important thing is being able to, being able to ask questions and humble yourself and, and surround yourself with people that are going to teach you versus you feeling like you've got to teach everyone else. Like that's good advice. That's really good advice. So you just you just you just humbled, and that's actually something that people have a lot of trouble with, especially if they're coming from any sort of experience in another industry. Yeah, humbling well, and, themselves and realizing they don't know. And anything. here's the that's, thing too. I mean, I I was pretty tapped into you know the whole tech world, speaking at a lot of these conferences, and and now I'm going into the beverage world. I'm trying to figure out you know, what are the conferences where I can start to talk to people and network? And it was so fun. Like I just bought a ticket. I wasn't speaking. I didn't know Jack. Right. So I'm, I'm like sitting there going, I'm, I'm just like price of admission. Okay. I'm going to fly out there and go check it out. But again, like I would just meet people. They'd say, Oh, what'd you do before? Oh, I was in tech. I, they wouldn't even, I wouldn't say I was at AOL. I built e-commerce. Like they, they just immediately were like, Oh, you didn't work at Coke or Pepsi. Okay. She's kind of a waste of time. And so I'm not even, I mean, she seems nice. Maybe I'll have a beer with her, but that's it. Why should I spend any time with her? Because, you know, she's not going to make it. It's not, it's not. So though, but so again, like I just kept talking to people and kept weaving a lot of those conversations together. And more than anything, like I loved it that no one knew who I was. Cause I thought it's awesome. Like, People would know who I was at, at the other ones. And I loved being, you know, this like anonymous person who was just trying to do something that, you know, is, was, was different. And frankly, I mean, people have said to me, do you spend a lot of time like at the beverage conferences and food conferences? No. I mean, I think for me, I'm constantly looking at places, not only where my customers are. So, you know, we've, grown to be the number one beverage in Silicon Valley when offices were open and Google and Facebook and all the rest of them. Um, but I wanted to be where my customers were because I felt like that's where I can learn not just about how to produce a product, but how do I continue to service them? And so I've always thought about if I can figure out, for example, if people are drinking Hint, are they wearing Warby Parker glasses? Are they what, you know, you, you might find me at an apparel show where I'm sitting there listening to somebody talk about direct to consumer or building brand or whatever. And then again, like, they're like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm the CEO of Hint, you know? And they're like, oh, the water, what are you doing here? No, nothing, I'm just learning, right? You go find these environments that actually teach you something that you don't know and you become wiser you become smarter you be, you become uh you know more confident you get a bigger network all of those things that ultimately i think has helped significantly and last question on on this it's, it's more just on on the actual the the book that you put out if somebody's going to pick up this book 
who would you want to read that book? Who's like the ideal reader? And then what do you want them to learn from it? So it's so interesting. I knew that this would be a great book for people who were starting a food and beverage company. I've had, I've mentored many food and beverage entrepreneurs and other entrepreneurs uh, over the years and starting their companies. And more than anything, I felt like if I could actually take what I had written some of my notes and put it into a book, I could help a lot of those people. What happened since the book came out is we've now had uh, entire, uh, you know, classes, schools, uh, UPenn, Arizona State University, Yale, Harvard, um, Berkeley, lots of people have actually bought the book for various classes. Um, so they're studying it, um, which is super awesome. Uh, so even getting to the entrepreneurs before they're even thinking about being entrepreneurs. But the group that I'm most fascinated with is the people who were kind of like me, who were in, sitting in the C-suite um, inside of companies. I've had a number of people who had never thought about being an entrepreneur, but they have run a public company for many years. They've, you know, they, they don't feel like they've really taken any risk. And yet if they've got one more gig in them, you know, then maybe they should actually be following their passion, going and doing something to better society in some way. Mm -hmm. um, and so if, if my book can actually help people get out of the gate and just go try, and not allow the walls around them really kind of focus in on you know themselves and sort of what they fear and why they're not doing it then i've done my job um much more than i ever thought it 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 would so i'm very very excited to hear from so many people that this book has kind of helped them rethink what was important to them i love that that's that's a good that's that's a good uh mission to have i think that's important it's very important um if people want to uh, connect with you, if people want to, um, obviously the book, I'm assuming anywhere you can buy books, Amazon yeah. or, or any other place, um, you're going to look for Undaunted, you'll find it. Um, uh, podcast or your socials or your website. Can you drop those so people yep. can check you out? All Kara Golden with an I. Uh, and um, yeah, I'd love to hear from you as well. And uh, my podcast is called The Kara Golden Show. And it's uh, all about interviewing other founders and CEOs and their journeys more than anything. I, I like to pick up on the journeys of people that have uh, had challenges, admit the challenges, failures along the way, um, and people that have gotten back up and gone and done what others won't do or they thought was impossible. So it's, uh, it's really fun and educational for me. Um, and so many. Fun That's why I do this. Too, right. A hundred percent. And um, and I learn every single time I'm talking uh, to to the guests, too. So, again, always be learning, always be challenging yourself, always be raising the bar a little bit higher um, and also uh, always be drinking hint. So I have to put my plug <laughs> into the company yeah. that yeah. I still still run and uh, always will be the founder but uh, still run the company amazing yeah i just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode indeed now in 2022 make a commitment this is the year that you're going to build your business you're going to turn your passion into profit but to do that we all know you need the right team, and that is by far the most difficult part of building and scaling a business. I've hired tons of people. I personally use Indeed, and Indeed is the easiest way 
to build a team with the right skills. Ultimately, that's what you need to make your business goals a reality. Now, if you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the partner where you can attract the right candidates, interview them, and hire them all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site that guarantees that you're going to find the quality of candidates that you need. And these candidates have to meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hundreds of hours on multiple job sites, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. And Indeed partners with you every step of the hiring process. You can find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. For example, if you've never used Instant Match, the second you post a job or a requisition and you sponsor that post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes match the particular requirements for that job. Indeed is one of the easiest, most simple to use and user-friendly experiences when it comes to hiring, which is already stressful enough. They put together a special offer for Success Story podcast listeners. So right now, you can start hiring. You get a $75 sponsored job credit. This is going to upgrade your job boost at indeed.com slash success story. The offer is valid through March 31st. Remember, go to indeed.com slash success story. You're going to claim a $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash success story. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Okay, I, I can do some rapid fire. Is that cool? You can. Yeah, you don't have yeah, to go yeah. long on these. I want to do some rapid fire. Okay. Um, biggest challenge that you've had or, or had to overcome in your personal or professional life, what was it and how did you overcome it? I think biggest challenge was, was uh, it's hard to do that in a rapid fire, but really looking I know, at, I know, I know. I'm yeah, sorry. But, no, no, that's okay. But really, you know, looking, trusting myself that I could go figure it out. I think that that for me, 17 years ago, I, I had assumed that I had really, you know, been in tech and was kind of labeled as tech and therefore I had to stay in tech. Um, and so I, you know, went out and tried to find lots of different experienced people who knew a lot more than I did. And what I realized is that when you're starting something, especially a new category, that those experienced people typically haven't done your stage, right? They mm -hmm. haven't, they haven't rolled up their sleeves and pulled cases of hint out of the back room at Target or, you know, run the run, you know, the bottles at a plant and tried to figure out when the pH levels were, you know, too high, like what was going on, like being being able to kind of solve problems, I think, is is much more key than than actually having experience. So that was probably the biggest mistakes in, in the early days of hint. I love that. Um, if you had to pick one person, obviously there's been many people that have been influential in your life. Who is that person and what do they teach you? I'd probably say my husband. And it sounds so corny in, in many ways, but uh, you know, my kids laugh because we met at a bar in New York and uh, it can happen. Um, and uh, 26 years later, we've been married and, and also run a company as <laughs> our chief operating officer. So we've done, a, you know, a, there's definitely when people meet him, we're very different. There's definitely yin and yang. And, and I think more than anything, um, he appreciates me for me. Right. And, and feels like if, you know, that I'm smart in my own way, he's smart in his own way. And together 
um, we're undaunted. So I think uh-huh. I, I'm, you know, thankful for that. Um, a book or podcast or audible or some source um, other than your own that you'd recommend people go check out. So many. Um, I have so many up here on my wall. Um, Pick one you read recently or one that just stuck with you, something that you'd recommend people go. Yeah, well, one, actually, I just interviewed him from my podcast, um, This, and I reread this book, and I actually, I love rereading books because I think I oftentimes, like, I put it down for a couple of years and then I go back, but um, this guy, Scott Harrison, who started Charity Water, and uh, about the same time, frankly, that Hint started, and uh, the book is called Thirst. And it's a really interesting book and in some ways, you know, similar to Hint in that uh, he came from a totally different career. He was opened over 40 nightclubs in in, uh, New York and was partying like a rock star and thought that, you know, just being able to sit next to Jay-Z was like, you know, that was the key to the kingdom. And what he realized is that actually helping people and changing people lives for the better in some way was something that uh that he needed and so it's uh you know pretty powerful i think he's in 29 countries now he's providing clean water um and to over 70 million people um so it's uh again something where it wasn't obvious to people that he was going to be able to do it and had a lot of you know challenges along the way but that's a great book and it's a great story of of following your passion and doing good um and it's uh he's a not-for-profit company but i i i think it's it's also something that um you know people i think should be aware of too that you can do good um for profit uh it doesn't have to be a non-profit um so anyway there's it's a it was a good podcast. It'll be out in a couple of weeks, but um, I, I love his story. Okay. I know him. I don't know him personally, sorry, but I know his story. It's actually really interesting because yeah. he came from the nightlife scene and then just like total pivot, yeah, total and, 180. You know, yeah. In many ways, I think he thinks that he sort of mentally bottomed out, right? Like he, yeah. you know, achieved what he wanted, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Is this it?" You know, and I think it's it's a it's a good story, especially for people who might be feeling like. You know, I'm working at the best company and making a great salary and I'm just not feeling it. Right. And yeah. then, then I think you you have to live undaunted. You have to go out and change and, you know, change your scenery and do what you've got to do until you figure it out. Agreed. Agreed. Um, if you could tell your 20 year old self one thing, what would it be? Continue asking questions along the way. I mean, I was always asking questions, as I mentioned, and I think that, you know, it wasn't always an asset. I mean, it wasn't a total like pain in the ass, but I, I was, um, I, th- I think sometimes people, especially when you're, when you're in classes and you're constantly asking people questions, my hand was always the one to go up, not because I, you know, felt like I, I, uh, no one else was asking questions or I wanted to get attention. I really was curious. And so continue asking questions along the way and, and don't be afraid what other people think. I love that. And then last, last question, what does success mean to you? I think being fulfilled 
And I think that that can come in a lot of different ways. And, you know, just going off of Scott's story too, at Charity Water, it's not about money. It's about, it's, it's about doing what you want to do every single day. It's about having people around you that love you for who you are and who you love as well. Um, I think it's, it's, um, it's a, that to me is, is, are really the key things to success. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. 
This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 